0: Welcome to Smart in the City, the Bobble podcast. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and really at Bobble, we aim to connect the players in the smart city industry with high quality information and ideas through our platform and services. This podcast is really an extension of this goal and mission to drive the change for a better urban life. First, a quick announcement from Babel. We are delighted to announce a new interactive online training course, Smarter Connected Places, Experiential Learning for Tomorrow's Urban Leaders. You can find the link for more information and how to register in the show notes. The training starts on November 15th, so make sure not to miss it. Now on to our regular programming. So this episode is, I know, going to be very near and dear to many of my colleagues and our partners' hearts because we are speaking with two of our project partners from our EU-funded project called SPARKS. So with me today is none other than Maria Honkanen, who is a project manager at KONE. And also with me today is Alina Vane, who is the project manager for the aforementioned H 2020 project, Sparks, at the city of Espo in Finland. So welcome to you both. Uh, nice to have you here. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, good. Um, so we'll jump right into it because I'm really interested. So we're not just talking about Sparks today. Um, we're really talking about... Uh, a lot of really awesome topics. I don't want to give too much away (laughs) at the beginning, but uh, so I I guess it would help the listeners to know a little bit about both of your backgrounds. Um, Alina, maybe you can start. Um, Can you give a little bit of background into your role and what you do for ESPO?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm, my name is Elina Vanne and I work as a uh, development manager, Is the official one, but then of course for Sparks I work as project manager. I'm leading the whole work package for the work of Espoo, so it's City of Espoo with plenty of partners and of course Kone with Meria is, is one of our very important partners making this project spa- successful. But yes, uh, previously before Sparks, uh, I actually joined City of West only four and a half years ago to become a sustainable development planner, and that's where it all started. Then we started applying it, and then then my boss asked me if I would like to join, and yes, this is the road. Very happy road, <laughs> I must admit.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a lovely road. So, um, Maria, what about you? Um, how did you come into your role, and what do you do within Sparks and also otherwise? Hmm.
2: So uh, I'm working at Conet Technology and Innovation Department in our uh, innovation unit where we, where we actually do uh, work with new innovations, new ideas, uh, new early conceptual um, uh, solutions, but also do research uh, and, and future foresight on, on uh, new topics like urbanization, sustainability and so on. And Sparks is one of our uh, biggest EU-funded projects, which we are involved in as a as a corporate partner. And uh, my role in Sparks has been to to lead the tasks of community engagement and uh, also business model um, work in 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 collaboration with all the partners in ESPO and also all the engaged stakeholders that we have invited in the in the project and engaged. Throughout the Sparks uh, process, and uh, on top of that, I work as a project manager for uh, our um, a quite large R and D innovation program called the Flow of Urban Life, where we where we actually uh, develop new solutions uh, for the next billion people to move into cities by twenty thirty. So it's a very big, very big innovation program that we initiated a few years ago. So working very much on this smart city, uh, urban urban flow uh, context at Kone.
0: Yeah, exciting things. So I, I want to also um, dive in in a minute, but first I'd like to do a little teaser to get us warmed up. And I would like you both to think, uh, Alina on your side uh, in ESPO, what, um, if Espo were an animal, which animal would Espo be? Um, and also on your side, <laughs> Maria, um, for Kone, what what animal would Kone be?
1: Give us a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: yeah, no problem. You can also discuss between you two. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is a tough one. Yes, sure. So, <laughs> if Espo was an animal... Um, Yes, think I, would about say, I would say it, w- it would be very large one. Indeed, somehow. and
1: rapidly growing. What kind of animal is rapidly growing? Is, is that's something that I'd like to emphasize at this point? It's really our city is growing so fast at the moment. That's one big challenge for us to be sustainable and smart at the same time. It's really, it's complicated, yeah. but yes, but also Maybe course, agile. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what, what we are. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe then a young, some kind of young animal, uh, mm-hmm. so that one that is growing up quickly. So, uh, uh <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, some sort of young, um, um, what is it, zebra or,
2: or, uh, an <laughs> elf, and then, uh, me go, hear we. Um, a moose, <laughs> a, moose a moose. That's fitting, right? It's quite a, quite a, like um, comes from the, uh, from the countryside, uh, yeah. but it's becoming more urban uh, animal in a way. Ah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. A young moose, a
0: young uh, growing moose up. learning to
1: run and uh, <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: survive.
1: Yeah, that's... yes, in a way. Yeah,
0: that's nice yeah, one. that's good. <laughs> Mm. we're going with we're going with young moose for espo then yeah a <laughs> <Our> final answer <laughs> okay good Miria, um, did you think of something for kone though huh? yeah
2: that's a, that's a, a tricky one but i was uh the first animal that came to my mind was an octopus uh so with a lot of um a lot of this, arms yeah yes and uh because we're a global uh global uh corporation we operate in almost every part of the world uh so we have we extend to to many continents but also uh, we move we try to move uh with the current uh, change uh, also kind of agile um uh, to go to different places and uh, and and also extend to different new branches and new offerings for instance the digital digitalization and and the use of data and so on so i think an octopus could be a a good one. Perfect, perfect.
0: It's a. It's also a, a popular one that uh, we sometimes play this game of which animal would you be for you know warming up for different workshops and things like that. Um, and that's a popular answer. Okay, so okay. Um, It's a no. It's a good one. It's a good one because octopus are very uh, smart and agile and have many arms so yes and it we, makes we are sense. popular
2: all over the world we are known people yeah. recognize the cone <laughs> elevators in this there building. you go
0: cone the cone the octopus yes <laughs> um, your new marketing you're welcome yes thank um,
2: you <laughs> I, I will send it to our communications uh, <laughs>
1: Perfect. (laughs) Um, Good. I will have to speak with Mr. Mayor about this young moose because he knows that (laughs) I do the hunting thing. So he thinks that I thought about it first, but it was Maria, you, who said it first. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um,
0: Now I want to move on to a very important topic and uh, also something near and dear to our hearts at Babel. And the topic is co-creation. Uh, so, what does this
2: word mean to you, Maria? And then maybe you can go next, Alina. Yeah, um, yeah co-creation is actually something that is very close to my heart, like personally and also professionally. Um, uh, I did I did my my studies, and I've also done uh, a previously masters and also um, a PhD on on co-creation and uh, participatory design. So, what does it mean to engage uh, a number of different stakeholders into co-creation processes? Um, and for me, it has always been some sort of um, some sort of uh, starting line of uh, all the work that uh, we do and all the development that we we should aim at as as a as a society is to do it collaboratively. So, I think co-creation is the key to everything um, everything we do. Um, but also at, at Kone, um, co-creation with customers is something that we have also taken as a strategy to really focus on on uh, co-created solutions rather than, rather than making solutions for our customers or, or the rest of the world. We, uh, we uh, want to co-create them and actually meet the needs of, of the customers. Uh, in Sparks, this has also meant that we take the end users into these processes and co-create together with citizens and end users not just uh customers like uh, company customers or or that kind of partners yeah
0: co-creating on the full process the full line so um elina did you have any thoughts on really what the heart of co-creation is at a high level
1: i have to emphasize that i have i have very similar thoughts with maria since for me co-creation is a very close to heart it's the way really to if you want to develop things do it in that way that you really get everyone to participate and have a say it's it's not really uh, for the city it's it's a bit different because the city itself has some legal processes where we have to take different stakeholders but it's it's still uh it's kind of the minimum and in Espo, we really want to do something more. And and we've been working on this, especially with the with the area of Guerra, which is also one of the demonstration areas in Sparks. We've been developing this uh, co-creation model. We've been trying to put it also on paper, what it means when the city wants to co-create, for example. And a district in the city and in this work we have the companies, we have the dis, uh, research and educational institutes, we have the NGOs and but of course we have the citizens, the residents of the of the city and that's really how we try to bring them all together, not not, not at once but, but uh, with different stages so that everyone knows what's going on and what is the aim? What are we trying to develop? But of course, in the changing world, it's it's really it's not an easy task, but it's really something that we at Espo really want to want to go to go towards. To and actually, what our Mr. Mayor really what how he says it, it's something like uh, when we do things together, we are successful. So I always like to like to say that phrase because I I really enjoy that. In such a high level, we recognize the doing together co-creation as, as a really important way of working.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely echo that as well. Uh, can you dig in now? Can you can we dig in a bit deeper? So we spoke a bit on a high level of co-creation, but how do we actually apply this in practice? Um, how can we
1: frame it? Um, uh, whoever wants to answer first. Um, maybe from the city point of view I can I can continue a bit since uh, of course we have some residents or, or citizens that are very very active and they are all, all always the, like giving feedback and, and, and participating but then we have plenty of those who never say anything and we would really now need to look at how we can activate those who very seldom participate in any way find those ways to more equally equally uh, uh, engage uh, kind of different uh, citizen groups instead of only those active ones.
2: Yeah, yeah, good point, Maria. What do you think? Well, um, when I think about co-creation, I I always um, uh, or well, people usually tend to think about co-creation as a as a something where only kind of positive outcomes or or co-created solutions come out, which everybody agrees upon. And um, I would say that my experience also shows that co-creation is something where different stakeholders have a different stake on something. So it's also about debating and finding solutions, having a dialogue uh, on, on these important topics and trying to find some sort of not maybe um ideal solution or solution that fits to all but uh, more like this uh, round table of, of different perspectives that we can then come together to co-create uh, on so I think it's very crucial part of co-creation that that we have different stakes and we we give space for different perspectives mm. to coexist rather than say okay this is the solution that we that we all agree on uh, but we we try to find this uh, space and and create this space to to debate and have a dialogue and and also change through that throughout that way rather than rather than finding the best possible idea. um but but having having said that, I would also uh, like to emphasize that co-creation, uh, I mean there are a lot of processes and a lot of methods and tools that we can apply and that we can uh, learn from and utilize in co-creation processes. And for instance, in the Sparks project, um, Kone has been leaning very much on design uh, thinking and also design research that is an iterative process. So we, we uh, engage different stakeholders in different phases of the process, and several times we can go back to these people and, and back to these stakeholders um, and, and really like uh, do this iteratively uh, by utilizing different methods and tools, innovation uh, methods and tools, uh, rather than rather than just say okay, let's co-create, but it's it's actually quite a quite a systematic process in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Alina, maybe how do you see it from the that from the city perspective? What tools and uh,
1: resources can the city utilize to support these processes? So this is now something that we've been working in Sparks, really putting on paper what kind of model would support uh, smart and sustainable city development, and especially kind of district level. We're not going to develop the whole city at the same time. Of 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 course, we do it by district by district. But uh, yes, we are now creating a toolbox for that, and it's of course. I see it as a toolbox, not just for the uh, civil servants, the city workers or employees. It's it's more like uh, a toolbox for everyone, also for the citizens. Because one one actually challenge is, and what we get questions a lot, both from residents and from companies, is that when their ideas or solutions should should uh, kind of be brought to to uh, to the process when when is the time that for example energy solutions for a district are decided or when is the time for uh for the community for example park parks planning when it's done when when is the time that the residents can have their say so usually the process is so long and it's a bit complicated as well if you think about the land use planning process that not everyone, or should I say, very seldom, anyone knows exactly when it's the right time to to have an effect on something. and And that's what we are now trying to make more visible to everyone, so that we would all be on the same line what's going on and when and how I can, as a as a company representative or as a resident, have my say or bring my solution yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But really just to create a kind of a step-by-step manual for that, that oh, this is how it all starts, and this is what is decided here, and this is what happens here. Just to make it more, yes, understandable. Yeah, and of- also... <laughs>
0: Off of that, um, with citizen engagement, stakeholder engagement, any of the topics we were speaking about, do you have advice to give um, other cities who are really um, focusing a lot on developing these co-creation methodologies?
1: I think one, one very key learning, a bit from the, not from the co-creation, but really how to reach actually the residents is to go where they already are, go to the groups that already exist, not to try to create new ones without, without, <laughs> without, uh, without good back uh, background work, because it's much easier to reach out to citizens when they have already some kind of reason why they are gathered together, and when there is a kind of group already. Because sometimes yeah. city-organized events are really not that popular. And they are not reaching out, especially to those who are not usually interested in, in what the city does. So go where the citizens are.
2: Mm, I think that's a very yeah. good, good advice from, from Elena. And also the kind of um, not thinking about individual citizens, but rather think about communities. Yes. Where do people form already existing communities and where do they meet? And what are the relations between these people? that already exists and, and try to really draw on, on those, uh, relationships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good points. Uh, and do either of you have a story? I love story time on the podcast. So do either of you have a story when co-creation citizen engagement, stakeholder engagement, anything along these lines, when it went wrong, um, some kind of lesson learned, uh,
2: from it hmm well one one story comes to my mind as, at least um because in, in a way it's it's both a success story and and also a, a challenge uh, story uh we were organizing in sparks these uh, 1.5 degree workshops where we invited uh, citizens to play uh, a climate puzzle which is a, a design game developed by uh, dmat um, environmental consultancy and uh, we had we we had started the preparations for the workshops, and uh, <clears throat> we were living um, this COVID time <laughs> that we are all, are all very familiar with. And uh, the first um, first premise was that we would organize the workshop online, and have a have a remote workshop where we send these games to the to the citizens who want to participate and and facilitate the game playing session uh, online uh and, and the purpose of the workshop was to kind of um uh identify first your own household uh, uh behaviour, your lifestyle choices, what do you how do you live, how do you move, uh how do you eat, and uh what kind of leisure time activities you do. And based on that you get you get a calculation of your household's uh climate footprint. And then the next step in the game is that you uh, you get uh, these different kind of actions cards on the game board, where you can then start to discuss which uh, actions you could take, as a, as a citizen, and uh, which which kind of changes you could make on a long run until 2030 to reduce your carbon footprint of the household. And, uh, we thought, okay, you can do it either way. You can, you can play it and you can do also play it at home uh, and then remotely join this, this session. And, uh, at the end of the day, we had to cancel, uh, this workshop because there were not really many participants, uh, who wished to mm. join this session, even though the topic was very interesting. And we actually went to libraries to meet with people and try to get people on board. Uh, we got only a handful of uh, full of participants, and and realized that this doesn't really make sense because it is actually a game which is supposed to be played in in bigger like auditoriums and you can have a conversation around it and and so on. So I think that was for us a very good learning on on that you know you can't just uh, switch or not everything works kind of a, in in the way that it's supposed to be if if we are we have to do these big changes from. Physical uh, environment to remote uh, environments, and then we should really think differently about the ways we engage with citizens. If we do online engagement or or this kind of digital uh, engagement, um, and then afterwards we we uh, we kept on organizing the the workshop, and the COVID restrictions became uh, they were removed, so we could actually do it uh, live physically. At two, two schools in, uh, in Espo, and we really got a very nice number of, of participants and we also used used a different kind of um, uh, recruitment strategy to to get them involved. But it was something that they uh, I would say that they really wish to join to this event and, and have this conversation and understand what it what it is and what does what does kind of impact. One person or your household make for the for the bigger bigger hole and have those conversations in a shared space good
0: example um very nice story Alina do you have a, a story
1: as yes, well maybe maybe just a general point that after COVID-19 it's been really our residents are very slowly getting back to to kind of joining us at face-to-face events it's really it's it's somehow that people have realized that you have you can do so many things online and and maybe their daily schedule is now so that there is no time for for this kind of because it takes time to travel there, it takes time to be there, and then it takes time to go home, and yes, you may not it may be difficult to get there and yes, it's like it's something slowly the numbers are now rising, but like for example, last spring. We really recognized this as this as a problem. We had events which uh, which were um, hybrid. We had pretty well participants, but then we have some workshops we were trying to do only face to face, and and a number of participants was really low, despite the very very uh, should I say large efforts for marketing and and really we were we were really using all the city city. Uh, um, Resources and and what's the word for that? But anyway, different different ways to communicate, and we still couldn't reach out. So yes, maybe. But this is probably something that if we ever get get rid of COVID nineteen, then or, or similar similar things, then maybe we get back to some kind of normal again. But but people are not yeah, interested yeah. in meeting face to face.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've heard that also from uh, other conversations. I've had this struggle, um, during COVID, um, also in this kind of post-COVID, COVID phase, however you want to call it on, um, the struggle of getting people back engaged in person. Um, it, can you, um, Yeah, I I want to give you some time, because I know you both are very passionate about this topic, um, and I want to give you both a little bit of time on the floor to speak about anything that you feel like we didn't touch on yet, um, anything that you really want listeners to know um, about any topic, really. So uh, I give you an open floor if you would like it. Either
2: one can start. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Elena, do you, wanna, do you wanna go first or?
1: No, no, you can you can go first. I can I can still give it a
2: little thought. You can both give it a thought mm-hmm. if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, one thing that kind of comes to my mind when I think about engagement and participation, like now I'm I'm really sticking with this topic and co-creation. Uh, uh, it's quite different uh, processes when we when we um, engage with with citizens, with end users, uh, than when we do a kind of engagement or co creation with businesses and with with uh, public organisations and so on. And um, if I just kind of reflect on our experiences from from Kone Innovation Unit, uh, it's uh, it's a different path to go to when we do like for instance business design and we r- we really um, invite different business stakeholders to to co-create and think about not just uh, um, not just for instance a, a solution new uh, new technological possibility but the business possibility and think about well how this could become something that is actually um, profitable or that has a long term, kind of a um, um, long-term investment that we could we could all engage in or we could all um, trust on that this will bring some benefits. so when we are when we are considering these um, different stakeholders I think it's also very different processes and, and different methods and ways of working that we have to use when we engage citizens or when we engage business stakeholders or or uh, even public organizations they operate in a in a completely different way than, than companies. So this is something that we have to constantly kind of bear in mind and uh, fit, fit the tools and the methods to the uh, stakeholders and, and the kind of focus groups that we want to reach and we want to bring into the process. And then also something that uh, I think becomes so uh, vivid in the work with citizens is that they don't necessarily want to engage. Uh, <laughs> we have this expectation that, of course, if we just organize something and they are happy to come, but it's it's not uh, often the way. So there there are different kind of uh, dynamics between these these different uh, stakeholders. So it, it's something that we should always bear in mind that we can't just expect that uh, whatever topic we we want to co create upon. People are just eager to, to join and, and give their ideas and, and opinions about the topic. It's really, it's actually quite laborious work uh, to get people engaged and build those relationships with uh, different stakeholders
0: yeah definitely good good point on the last to to throw in the building relationships. I think to get people engaged, we have to focus on the relationship building always um
1: and uh, Alina, did you want to say anything else? yeah, sure. I was earlier mentioning that espo is growing rapidly, and we see that as as a very um, it's it's a challenge but but in a way, it's not impossible to to fight that challenge uh, we have five to six thousand six thousand new residents every year currently, and actually most of them are foreigners. and that's uh, that brings us to the question that how we can engage those together with with the kind of um, our uh, residents who speak Finnish or Swedish as their as their mother tongue, how we can engage those with the new foreigners that are joining our city. And, and what are kind of the ways that we could activate and, and feel also these newcomers as, as welcome to our city. And um, yes, how we really can engage those, those as well. And uh, then yeah. of course, um, it's also about inclusion. It's about uh, feeling part of a community. These are questions and challenges that are everywhere in in Europe and actually globally. It's not something that ESPO alone can really solve. But one one way that we have now looked at it is actually coming from the European Commission's um, initiative, New European Bauhaus, as, as it combines the sustainability, which, of course, we at the uh, Center of Excellence for Sustainable Development want to want to promote, but it combines it with the more social sustainability from the point of inclusion, but also to to the another very important issue, which we have discussed with Maria earlier. It's about building uh, building cities and and urban environments that are beautiful and and we feel comfortable for people to live in. So. That's why I see from the old four pillar sustainable development kind of framework that we've been working with so long. I, I see this new European Bauhaus as, as a new framework and, and, and providing us new aspects of building smart and sustainable cities in the future.
0: Great point. Uh, and what's next for your partnership between Espo and Kone? And I just kind of was thinking uh, we didn't touch at all, really yet, on this uh, this great partnership that you've built. Uh, what's what's
1: next for you, too? From Espo city of Espo point of view, I'd like to say that. But we are just looking forward to the next steps. We haven't them. They are not quite clear yet. But of course, Sparks is still going strong for the next two years. So we will, we will do collaboration anyway. But of course, Sparks is initiating new ideas and, and what should be the next, next steps. And, and of course, it's also about building, building, uh, Engagement with companies at the and the city and and from that point of view, yes, hopefully something interesting and, and inspiring for us all.
2: Yes, I'll
1: be looking forward Definitely. to that. <laughs> Can I
2: also yeah. comment on that because I think uh, what what Sparks has brought to Kone is this really like um, I don't know a, a perfect uh, example of urban. Development and uh, sustainable development. So it's a it's a uh, international project with many cities and many partners, where we can uh, actually develop new sustainable solutions to make cities more livable uh, for people to thrive in the cities rather than suffer <laughs> in the future. So this is something that is very uh, essential also for Conet where we want to uh, create. Uh, Better urban flow or I- improve the the flow of urban life. So this cannot be done uh, on our own. This has to be made in in collaboration with with cities and with different partners. And um, in that sense, I think there there is o- always interesting possibilities. Uh, and Kone is also based in um, in Espoo, so we have our big uh, headquarters in in Käyliö in Espoo. So this brings us also good. Good um, kind of a platform and 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 locates us um, in in Espoo, so we can do quite easily uh, different kind of uh, pilots and and case studies uh, with uh, partners in Espoo. So that's definitely something we will we will work on in the future. Amazing! I'm looking
0: forward to seeing all the developments in that. And now we move on to a segment of ours. Uh, It is called shout out. Shout out! Mention a person, an organization, or a city you think deserves more recognition in the field. Uh, this could be a Sparks partner, or it could be anyone else that you want to mention. Uh, Maria, do you have someone that immediately came to mind?
2: Oh, wow! Well, uh, maybe Elena, if you can start. Have something <laughs> on your mind? So, what? What? What is this shout out? You want to kind of recognize a person or? organization organization
0: or a city who you maybe a partner of yours who you um really think that people should know about and deserve more recognition and of course we will tag them and all of that good stuff (laughs) this is a difficult
1: one
2: yes (laughs) i mean there are so many i would say Mm -hmm.
1: maybe then it's from it's not from sparse but from espo point of view we have learned uh from uh Mannheim what they've been doing especially regarding citizen engagement and we have some collaboration with them but I've been myself really amazed with their work they've been doing doing good work there so it's Mannheim Germany is my answer.
0: Ah, very nice. not too far from where I'm sitting today, <laughs> just a couple just an hour or so north so good one um Maria did you have someone that came to mind now? Yeah,
2: I, have, I have also <laughs> several but uh w- well one, one I definitely want to also mention is that um uh, we have uh, in Finland we have this uh, funding institution called business Finland who is really um kind of pushing uh, companies and organizations to to develop new new solutions for for more sustainable cities, but also to take these solutions out in the world, and um, and take them take them more kind of a, on an international level. So I would say Business Finland is some is an organization that is not so highly recognized abroad, but it's very well known in Finland, and and it's something that uh, also Kone is, is um, getting funding from in our in our biggest uh, one of the biggest. Uh, uh, R&D programs, and they have launched this Veturik uh, program, which is kind of like a, uh, a leading company uh, R&D innovation program where actually bigger corporations can set up um, these um, industrial development projects or even programs and bring different partners to their ecosystem to, to kind of um, uh, make that mission happen collaboratively and Kone, we have our own own mission but there are also several uh, Finnish companies who have their own uh, mission related to energy related to sustainability um, related to city uh, development and so on. so I, I would I would maybe recognize business Finland in, in this occasion.
0: Good, good, good point uh, and good recognition. So now we're ending our, uh, pretty much ending most of our questions. I only have one remaining question for you. And it is a question that we ask every single guest. And that is to you, what is a smart city? Uh, Perhaps Alina, you can go first this time and then
1: Maria. Sure. Despite my background in engineering, I I somehow nowadays uh, prefer to describe a smart city as as built for people by people, and really it's it's about creating, like merga said earlier, livable livable uh, space, and um, it's it's more like about the people than the technology in my point of view. We need the technology of course to support that, but if the people are not pro and 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 with when you um when you develop it, it's it won't work. You need the people to make the technology work. And that's where the smart city. And then of course for me smart city means also sustainable city. I sometimes tend to say smart and sustainable city, but if I'm just talking about smart city, it includes, it's it's included, it's also sustainable. It's not smart it's not smart to be to be unsustainable or, or did I say it correct? Yes. Yeah. But yes, the people make the smart city. That's that's my Yeah.
0: Good answer. Um Maria, do you have a similar thought or
2: do you want to go in a yeah, different Yeah, I think very very good one. It's not smart to be unsustainable. <laughs> um so going going to the same direction, I would say that smart cities are are cities are Urban environments that are co-created among uh, private, public, and people partnerships. So this kind of um, this kind of a uh, triangle of of different uh, organizations and different partners who create that smart city. It cannot be smart if if, if it doesn't engage and include everyone. Um, and then uh, also the the important aspect is yes, sustainability, and and that is from a very Kind of environmental point of view, um, that the solutions in in smart city uh, rather uh, decrease carbon emissions rather than increase, uh, and also uh, they these solutions and smart cities they they are also socially sustainable, so people can can live uh, livable, lovable cities. So something where where there's space for for people and space for life uh rather than uh blocks where where you where you enter and and really these dense uh cities might not be the way we want to live uh for the for the next 10 years or even even beyond that it's it should have space for for people to live and then uh maybe uh, a fourth aspect or i lost account is the the use of of data and the use of kind of a uh, yeah new technologies but more importantly what do we do with this kind of a uh, huge amount of, of data that we can now nowadays get from the different systems that that work in the cities uh, a lot of companies talk about big data uh, cities talk about big data but it's not something that we can just utilize we have to also learn learn to use it and and kind of build the capabilities to to learn from that data and, and utilize that data in a smart way so i think these are the building blocks of, of smart cities
0: very well put and very eloquent on both of your accounts uh, and this is where i have to tell the guests um, that if you want more information also about sparks uh, please follow the link in the show notes or enter sparks S-P-A-R-C-S dot info to find out more about the project um, and yeah this is this is it um, hopefully it wasn't too painful for you hopefully it was a uh, smooth sailing and uh, I really want to thank you both very sincerely uh, for your great insights a great conversation great dialogue um, and I'm very glad that Bobble can also be a partner with both of yours um, in the project and I hope also in the future too so yeah thank
2: you both for coming on Thank you, Tamling. Thank you for hosting the podcast and uh, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure.
0: Anytime, anytime. And to all of our listeners, don't forget you can always create a free account on bavel smartcitieseu to find out more about smart city projects um, like the Sparks Project, solutions and implementations. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.
2: How cold is it over there right now? It is warm. Yeah, I think it's 10 10 degrees. Ooh, that's warm.